0: And welcome to Out On Her Fanny.
1: A podcast about the nanny. I'm Ben. I'm Mandy.
0: And we have recorded this intro four times.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, We took a bit of a break and now we've forgotten how to do things. We've forgotten
0: how to do things. It was an unscheduled break. Yeah. Um, It
1: technically wasn't like a real break because we did record things and then those things uh, were not, those are going to remain in the archives.
0: Yeah. We did an April Fool's Day episode that we did. Didn't release. Well, who
1: knows? I mean, there's more April Fools to come.
0: There's that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't even thought about
1: that. Yeah, and this podcast started off as what people thought of as oh, an yeah. April Fools joke.
0: But we're here now. Um, we we did take that break. I think it was a good break to take because, as we've said three times already, uh, it gave us time to kind of assess uh our various creative projects and making this podcast and how we were going to fit this podcast into our schedule. And I think we're in a better place to accommodate, like, recording it and editing it and all of that fun stuff.
1: Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people have kind of found, uh, as we go through the pandemic and things... The pandemic is certainly not over, but the way that we're doing things, there's a lot more stuff that we're doing. Whereas before, it was like, in your homes, you got any time to record a podcast. And now, it's there's a lot more things going on, trying to figure out how to fit all of the stuff that we're doing into a
0: schedule. It also... <laughs> Uh, our work-from-home schedules completely switched.
1: <laughs> yeah, it did. I'm finally, after th- three years of being in this pandemic, I'm finally in a hybrid schedule.
0: And I started a new job. I got headhunted. I got. Yeah. I had a rec- I thought it was a recruiter. turns out it's my new manager. Uh, finding me on uh, Indeed or LinkedIn or whichever and saying, hey, come work for us instead of the place you were working for. We give you more money. You do have to come into an office, but the office does have an arcade machine with 6,800 games on it. And I said, I'll see you on Monday.
1: Can I tell you a delightful thing that I found out uh, about LinkedIn? Go so, on. LinkedIn is bullshit. The only time that I update LinkedIn is when I'm looking for another job. That should be a thing that all my employers should be worried about. When I'm putting <laughs> shit on LinkedIn, that means I'm looking for something else. But anyway, I have a photo on LinkedIn. It was one of the ones that I did from like a photo shoot with somebody forever ago, but I got this job, and they're actually hiring a lot of people. They're building up this department. Cool. And they were telling me of some of the things they look for. And one of the things that I heard from uh, my boss's boss, who kind of the head of my department, is, oh, I have these LinkedIn rules, and one of them is I don't like anyone who isn't smiling in their LinkedIn profile. And I was like, I'm not smiling in my LinkedIn profile picture. I'm doing, like, I mean, not a full-on sexy post, because I definitely got some sexy pictures. This was, like, the least of my sexy p- pictures, like the most conservative. Uh, but weirdly, in none of my conservative pictures, I'm not smiling in mm-hmm. any of them. I'll smile in my lingerie photos, weirdly, but not in those. But I was like, oh, I got the job. And the guy was like, a funny story. So uh, somebody else gave me your resume. And I was like, why does this seem so familiar? And it was because he had already seen it but passed on me because I was not smiling. Ooh. And I was like, this seems like some profiling bullshit.
0: That you know what that makes me think of? It does make me and I do apologize I am about to bring up the British version of The Office. Um The Office is a bad show. It is garbage. But we that's I mean, of... the
1: office is fine. I personally I have things about the office of um, a lot of people who think that they are unique in their sense of humor, but are not your basic bitches, yeah. basic as they come, really like The Office, and I think yeah. The Office is a sign of them being like eclectic and smart humor, and it's not, it mm. is one of the most popular comedies, it is very basic.
0: Absolutely. But
1: uh, I've I've had too many instances of guys who think that they are very special and unique and like uniquely smart and think that I'm going to be their manic pixie dream girl.
0: Because of the office. Quote the office yeah. at
1: me and so I cannot like I see the office and like my body goes into a fight or flight reaction.
0: It's it's, it's thinking it's counterculture and going, "Oh, I actually know it, it this is just culture. It's just peak um, culture. There so in the British version of The Office, there's a deleted scene which I know cuz I used to have it on DVD. There's a deleted scene where Ricky Gervais's character, who's the, the Michael Scott of the British version, is looking over resumes for a new hire. And he takes half of the pile and he drops it immediately into the trash because he doesn't want to hire unlucky people. Yeah. That's what your, uh, your, your boss did.
1: Yeah, I was like, I don't want anyone who doesn't smile and be like, okay, well, then do you want my lingerie pics? Because apparently I've gone through, because I was like, oh, maybe I should replace it. Like, I wanted to update it anyway. Uh, They also had a joke of the LinkedIn picture. The dress that I wore for my interview was the same one that was in my LinkedIn picture.
0: (laughs) And they're like, do you
1: only own one dress? And be like, I only own one work appropriate dress.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff in your wardrobe that you could not should not wear to a job interview
1: it's a safe pick i have always gotten the job when i wear that to an interview uh which is why it was my linkedin one now i've i've since changed my linkedin photo it is still not a smiling picture because i do not have a smiling picture i have like it is somewhat like up to like i'm smizing
0: Your eyes are happy. Yeah. Your mouth doesn't want to be My mouth
1: is in like a sexy little pout. And then I was very embarrassed because I changed it very quickly. And then we had a big meeting and it was like, introducing Mandy. And they took my LinkedIn picture and it was like, oh, this is a much like nicer. Like this is a high quality professional photo. My hair is all done. (laughs) And then it's in the office and I'm just this fucking gremlin. (laughs) (laughs) Like no one was actually supposed to see this.
0: Yeah. I, my first week, so my first week was split up over two weeks because they decided to have me start on a Monday and I said to them, well, Mandy and I are going to Hawaii, uh, which is another thing that we did over the last month. Mandy and I are going to Hawaii, we fly out on, on Thursday, uh, I get back on Tuesday so I could start, you know, I'll be back the following Wednesday, I could start at the beginning of May and they said, no, we'll just split your first week. I'm not going to argue about that, they stop, want me to start working earlier, Sure. Why not? I'll do that, sure. But during that first half of the first week, on the first week, as opposed to the second half of the first week, on the second week, they did want me to take my staff photo. And the way that they had me take my staff photo is they gave me a ring light, had me use my own phone on it, take a bunch of photos, and then send it to them. Now, I do not like taking front-facing camera selfies with my phone or anyone else's phone, because I don't think I look good. Even with that kind of, f- that filter that's supposed to gla- make you look a little prettier.
1: You should have just shown them your knees.
0: You like my knees. I'm wearing shorts at the moment. Mandy's very into my it is knees.
1: very I'm going to draw a little
0: Kirby face on them and then Mandy can, uh, can I act. just
1: come immediately.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, uh, so they had me take this photo and now this is my star photo. This is on my employee profile. This is whenever I email, like uh, clients and customers. Um, is this picture of me kind of wearing my the shirt I wore in our, our uh, engagement announcement photos, smiling with a head that looks like someone has overinflated a peanut? Like <laughs> it's it's pinched in the middle, and it's like oh, hello. Uh, and I immediately, I, I look at it and I think there is too much air in this tire. There's too much. There's it's it's big. Like I look at this photo and I see my father. Yeah. Yeah, because I look like my dad, fun fact. Um, but other than that, I'm enjoying the new job. Hawaii was nice. We went to yeah. an anime convention. I'm not
1: sure if we uh, mentioned it. We might have mentioned it in one of the lost recordings yeah. of uh, flying out for a Kawaii Con. Yeah. Ash, thank you very much uh, for having me. Uh, Sentai the High Dive booth. Got to meet many uh, Hawaiians and hand them posters, and then be like, "What is? What do I got to do to get this poster?" And I was like, "I need an email," which was a new thing in New York. I didn't have to get people's emails, but they had somebody there who was like very much on like the marketing sales team, and it was like, "We gotta, we gotta get this stuff. We're no longer playing this game. It's all about the emails." Like, but I just want to encourage people to play this fun game. I just want to slide so it was line. off to the side, and was like, "No, I'm gonna. If you talk to Mandy, then we get to play the game." Because I was all about the game. I don't give a shit if you sign up for their emails. I
0: would argue you were hired specifically to get people to play the game.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, mean, I was hired to get people yeah. to the booth, like me and my titties.
0: Yeah. Your, your tits flew us out to Hawaii. Yeah. Uh, I mean,
1: my tits and ear tube socks.
0: Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a great, it's the, people think that Avengers Endgame was the most ambitious crossover of all time, and it's not, it's your tits and my tube socks.
1: Yeah, they come, yeah. they come together to defeat Thanos.
0: Your tits, my tube socks. Tube socks, tube socks. Your tits, my tube socks. They come together.
1: Yeah, uh, they, they really start, uh, uh, they stop eco-terrorism. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Captain Planet
1: Yeah Uh, I mean that's not That's Eco-terrorism is like uh, Poison Ivy shit Oh yeah If anything Captain Planet would be On the side of eco terrorism. Yeah I think
0: I think if Captain Planet Met Poison Ivy They would be very Very Down Yeah DTF And by F I mean Fauna It's
1: the problem of like Poison Ivy is very cool But you know If you talk to Poison Ivy For a little too long You would find out That she was into Some genocide And be like Hmm Hey, hey Poison Ivy. Uh what kind of people do you uh, think we should murder? You don't want the answer to that question.
0: Poison Ivy is you spend you spend a couple of minutes talking to her, you think she's really cool, she recommends some good vegan chocolate brands, and then you're 4 minutes into the conversation and you're talking she starts talking about how the earth is overpopulated and how really we should be doing eugenics. And uh, that's when you realize that you had to catch a bus and you had to walk away very quickly.
1: And be like, all of those disabled people who need straws. Maybe we just don't need disabled people anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's when mm-hmm. we got to sh- sh- no more. No more, Poison Ivy.
0: Look at the time. It's I have to go o'clock. I have to be <laughs> anywhere else. But here, Poison Ivy. Listen, amazing outfit. You look phenomenal. Um, I didn't know that I liked uh, green women before. But now, listen, hey very into it but you do want to murder almost exclusively disabled people actually you know who would have been a great poison ivy in the 90s fran drescher a genuinely fran drescher i think would, would have killed i don't feel like ivy. she
1: would have been a good poison ivy you really you don't i don't
0: who who do you think fran drescher because
1: she she radiates harley quinn energy
0: she radiates harley quinn because she radiates
1: new yorker energy oh
0: yeah that's very true
1: and like uh, Fran Rusher does not read to me as, and I know that she's doing a lot more uh, with her nonprofit stuff, mm. but she doesn't read to me as like eco, let's let's save the planet vibes. Yeah. I know we had the whole episode, the PETA episode, which somebody emailed me about.
0: Oh, you remember you saying about They that. thought
1: that Pete, like, we took this break because PETA got me. PETA did not get me.
0: Yeah, we're in the witless protection program right now <laughs> to keep away from PETA.
1: I don't. I don't think that she would make a good Poison Ivy. Okay,
0: so let's say DC. I feel
1: like she would make a Catwoman.
0: Oh yeah, I was about to ask who you think in the DC universe she 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 would be a good fit for. I think she in the '90s. I think she would have been a good Catwoman. Yeah, that's it. That's the end of the list, huh? (laughs) I think maybe Harley Quinn as well. But I mean
1: Harley Quinn is the go-to, but it's just because of the accents. I don't actually think that she has like the right vibe mm. for it. I think that it would be a little too reserved. And I feel like Catwoman is a good balance.
0: I've got it. A reboot of Batman as a TV show. But instead of Alfred, it's just Fran Fine <laughs> as the nanny. And so whenever Bruce Wayne is out being Batman and roughing up thugs and hitting poor people for ha- having to do crime to stay alive, uh, whenever he's like, Alfred, I need... Send. I need a suit. Send me a suit. Send me the Batcopter. And it's Fran on the other on the other end. It's not Alfred. It's just Fran.
1: See that would make it even better if it like was full like Bird Family mm. of like getting all the robins. <laughs> but and they need a Bruce got a lot of people. He needs a nanny. Yeah.
0: she was working in a bridal shop in Gotham City. <laughs>
1: And then the, it got Jokerized. Like
0: a Joker. Yeah, the Joker just got it.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, the fiance died. So she has to find a new way. It's still that racist uh, cosmetics company. Um, <laughs> but she knocks on the door of Wayne Manor. And then she's there. She's like, Alfred has just gone AWOL. Like, well, I need a you, new butler, you'll do. Or oh, there is never, there's never been an Alfred. It's always been Fran Fine.
1: I, mean, I feel like there could still be an Alfred, but it would just be Niles.
0: Yeah. Oh, see now. Oh, because
1: that's that's the thing of he's the butler, but he also has to work as a nanny. He's like, he could be fucking like, I don't want to take care of children. That was not my job.
0: What I feel like now is I feel like we are a nats testicle shy of just cha- cha- casting Charles Shaughnessy as as Bruce Wayne, which. I don't hate, don't hate that idea. I don't hate, I don't that. hate that. I idea. don't hate that idea. I don't hate that. Niles, you've got, um, I forget the name of the actor's name, who plays Niles.
1: You just said it, Charles Shaughnessy.
0: No, that's, that's. Um...
1: Oh, Niles. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that is.
0: Daniel Davies? Yeah, it's
1: yeah. Daniel something. Daniel Davis.
0: Daniel Davis, as, as Alfred, absolutely, why not? He's had years of practice being a sassy butler. And then Fran is just also there. Why?
1: How
0: is that not? How is that not Cece an SNL Babcock skit? Cc
1: Babcock would be a good Poison Ivy.
0: Just, uh, just Cc ba- Babcock. Just, yeah. I or- mean
1: the 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 actress. Yeah. But like the same kind of thing because she can do, she can play comics, so she mm. can do that stuff. But she is very serious. She's all in. In the, we will eventually get to talking about this fucking episode, but in the episode, (laughs) there's a great bit where she does a pratfall, but it is a great pratfall because it's one that she entirely just like commits to. And it's like this little, this little thing, but it is her playing it very seriously.
0: Hey, should we talk about the episode? Yeah,
1: what episode did we watch? (laughs) So this is a podcast where we normally talk about the nanny. I know that we have uh, gone, uh, probably once it's edited down, hopefully we'll be under 15 minutes, might be over 15 minutes, where we have not talked about the nanny (laughs) at all.
0: But it was fun. It was fun catching up with you. Was it fun? I think so.
1: I don't think it'll be fun for anyone else, but it was fun for Mandy. I think once it's edited down,
0: it'll be fun. But this is season two, episode 13, I think, uh, called The Strike. Uh, Let
1: me pull up. What it is on on HBO on the Max. HBO Max? If you are watching on HBO Max, that is season two, episode eleven.
0: Ooh, so close! All right, shall we get into it?
1: We shall. This episode starts off with Fran in a beautiful dress.
0: A beautiful dress. It is
1: uh, time for fashion time again, which we don't do those segments anymore because our episodes run for so long now (laughs) that we don't have like an end time segment. So I'm I'm putting in now. So the start of the episode is fashion segment. Fashion, 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 fashion. Yeah, something. (laughs) It was something like that. I know it was me doing gremlin noises. Anyway, she is in a floor length. Sequin dress that is striped in all different colors.
0: It's very much. I mean, Fran expresses a concern that she looks like a packet of lifesavers. Lifesavers. Thank you. My brain was going fruit polos, which is a different thing entirely. What, uh, the,
1: what are fruit polos? Well, they're
0: the fruit variety of polos, which are kind of a uh polo. If you get a packet of polos, like a mint with a hole in the middle.
1: Yeah, that's lifesavers. Yeah,
0: and they do a, fr- a fruit version.
1: Yeah. It's lifesavers. Okay, it's just well, fruit lifesavers. No,
0: in the UK they're polos, and they actually do have a hole in the middle. Lifesavers don't actually have like a hole in. The yeah, middle they do until you suck on it. Yeah, they do. They do. Some of, yeah, some I've never can. seen them with an actual hole in the middle.
1: Yeah, sure. I guess when they have a hole in them, I know the mint ones do.
0: See, that's fascinating me because I've only ever seen lights li- lightsabers. Nope, I've only ever seen light light lifesavers that don't have a hole in they the middle. They literally
1: get advertised with a hole in oh, them. Oh, the fruit
0: ones, yeah, obviously. Yeah. But I think and the, the dress, mint
1: ones as well.
0: I think the dress looks more like a sideways test pattern. It's a lot of very vivid colors kind of stacked yeah. on top of each other. They all
1: got holes in them because they're she- never... they're shaped like a lifesaver. Yeah,
0: but I've, I've only ever seen them with, a, instead of having a hole, they just have a very thin piece of mint, so when you suck on it, it cr- makes a hole.
1: Yeah, but that's just because of the way that they're manufactured, and they got manufactured
0: shitty. Yeah. But I've never seen them with an actual hole in.
1: They have what they're supposed to have a hole in them. Interesting. Because they're shaped like lifesavers. Oh, yeah, like I'm, I'm not- I'm not disputing that
0: at all. I agree with you. But I've never seen one that ha- already has a hole in them. They all have holes in them. Okay. I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you. I am just saying I haven't seen. Them. <laughs> I'm not disagreeing <laughs> I'm not with, disagreeing you. I'm disagreeing with saying, you. I'm just saying it does not Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, she's wearing this dress and she's breaking it in. This is the dress that she's gonna wear to uh, I guess that uh Um, Chester Mayfield is putting on yet another play. This is his 27th play this season alone.
1: Yeah, and she's talking to Niles because she needs to figure out how to sit in the dress. And there's like a funny little bit that is absolutely a gift that gets put around on Twitter a lot of her trying to sit down and just being stick straight because she cannot bend in this dress. She's like a
0: reverse plank.
2: That looks natural. Well, maybe if I sat on the aisle.
1: Yeah, there is, there is no ease in this dress for her to yeah. bend her body. But it looks hot as
0: shit. Oh, she looks great. I'm shocked that when Chester Miffield makes his grand entrance into the kitchen, he ha- he has no shits to give about this dress. Neither shit nor fuck. He doesn't comment on the dress. He's he's in his own little play world.
1: Yeah, he is entirely in his own thing of like, I'm going to do a play. It's about Norma Ray.
0: That rhymes. It, it did yeah, rhyme. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, every line of dialogue spoken by Chester Mayfield in this episode is uh, is done in rhyme. He has a rap halfway through the episode, which is quite impressive. Yeah,
1: it's horrifying. It's
0: great, though. He, I didn't know he could rap. Oh. It's very much like the... Um, I, can he? Like the Louis can Thoreau he? rap that's been doing the rounds on TikTok right now. My money don't jiggle, jiggle. It folds. I'd like to see you wiggle, wiggle. For sure. Maybe i wanna dribble, dribble. You know, riding in my fear. You really have to see it. Ah.
2: Uh.
1: But yeah, he's excited because I guess he's doing a play about and I guess this was a movie with Sally Field in it called yeah. Norma Ray about unions.
0: Yeah, it was loosely based on a uh, a true story of someone else who was not called Norma Ray, but that's who the character was was called in the film played by yeah, Sally. Yeah, cuz I was
1: trying to find out cuz I know like I uh, I went to a fashion school, mm-hmm. so uh unions and kind of the story of like the triangle shirtwaist factory like those were big deal stuff for us to learn because mm. it was like oh uh apparel industry is uh, where a lot of these unions had to come um but justin ruffield's talking this play and fran is very proud of that because she's like my my family is like a big union family
2: my aunt tessie was a blouse
0: what's all blouse
2: you know from the commercial Look for the union label when you are buying a coat dress or blouse.
1: I guess the, like, the joke is that there's a commercial where it's saying, oh, always look for the sign that this company is a union company. Yeah. And her aunt was the person in the commercial who said, like, or blouse.
0: Yeah. Or that she made blouses. I'm not sure whether the joke was that she was the or blouse in the commercial or that she fell under the orbrous umbrella yeah. of the unions um but i guess that's how americans were cuz everything's commercialized in america they commercialized the existence of unions which actually that's where capitalism is it, that's probably the pla- place you want to be commercial yeah. that's the place where you want to be like unions good actually
1: yeah this is a, a surprising throughout this episode is a very like pro union episode mm. the previous episode with the stuff about the fur is very much one they promote like, oh, we were ahead of of the curve. And this one isn't necessarily ahead of the curve because at the time we were more pro-union. There's been a lot of anti-union stuff since. Mm. But I feel like overall we will get to some stuff at the end that maybe is a little less so. Um, Ultimately, the episode's not spoilers, doesn't necessarily come on the side of like yay unions as much. But it's it's nice to see a character... it's refreshing to see a character that is like so like yeah, unions are good and they don't really make as many jokes as you would expect about like unions are bad for for everything. But like no, there's There's
0: none of those jokes. It's yeah. a, it's very very pro union in a way that is refreshing. I I I don't think we would see a pro union statement in like just off the and top of head, a Marvel movie.
1: Yeah, and there's nothing, because uh, like, there's the common anti union stuff of like, oh, they're going to take all your money. And they just be like, there's one joke where uh, there's a union in a strike trying to get a pay raise. And they're like, they're trying to get this much money to do this thing. But ultimately, the joke is, oh, we should unionize so that we can also get this amount of money. Yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah, yeah, everyone
0: should unionize. Everyone should unionize. Fran Fine would fucking love a unionized Starbucks. Fran Fine would be all about the union, the the Starbucks union unionization that's happening right now. She'd be very pro Amazon unions. Fran Drescher, I have no idea. She's too busy with cancer. But Fran Fine would be very pro union.
1: All about today. those unions.
0: All about those unions. I, I again, I don't think this is a sentiment you'd see in. A modern sitcom or at least i haven't maybe there is a mod maybe maybe uh, mike and molly did a pro union episode but my fear is that and the reason i mentioned mc you know marvel movies specifically is a lot of those marvel movies get made with non-union workers like vis- there's no visual effects union for example yeah, which, which is-, is
1: why when people talk about like oh well, how come they don't use uh like actual effects anymore that's everything in cg and, like because CG's non-union. Yeah. And all of the, all the, those practical effects, doing puppets and shit, all of that's union.
0: hmm And Disney likes to squeeze every penny. Yeah. They have to maximize their profits without having to pay union uh, fees and what have you.
1: Chester Meffield is highlighting works uh, of unions in his play. He got this new one going on, yeah. Uh, which Niles points out is three hours long, and there is no act break.
0: He, there's a lot of a lot, the kids and Niles spend a lot of time in this episode talking about how the play is bad. Actually, there are so many poor choices being made. Three act break breaks. There's a moment where Niles says,
2: "Oh, it was wonderful, sir." Those three hours and 15 minutes flew by like three hours and 10.
0: (laughs) No one has anything nice to say about this play, which might be the anti... That might be as close as we get to anti-union sentiment until the end of the episode of the bit you mentioned
1: earlier. Everyone is excited about the play. Cece comes in and she talks about there's a big press release... She then finds out because she mistakenly gave the uh, copy to Niles to finally send off. And so her name at some point in there suddenly became Cece Boobcock.
0: Which is phenomenal.
1: Yeah, and it's especially good because it becomes a joke through the rest. Any other time someone says her name, it is Miss Boobcock.
0: I'm very disappointed that this joke doesn't continue through to the rest of the end of the show. Like, this could have been their Hollywoo.
1: Oh, that would have been amazing.
0: <laughs> She's just CC Boobcock for the duration.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a thing that I feel like because of the way that uh, sitcoms were made then, where like a Netflix show where everything's around, like we're pretty sure that you've watched all the episodes. So you have an explanation as to why Hollywood's is Hollywood. We don't know if you have seen the specific Boobcock episodes. So we can't call her Boobcock.
0: Yeah. I mean, we've been calling Chester Meffield Chester Meffield. I feel yeah. like we can transition to Boobcock. Because it's
1: such a great name.
0: Chester Metfield sounds it's like a human person. And cocks. Oh, that also is a, yeah, that's a good name. Boobcock yeah. is great. This is a show. You've got Boobcock. You've got Fanny. That's the end of the list.
1: End of list. End of we list. we have got two things.
0: That's, that's what you need. All. Just two things. Cut to title, so I guess. <laughs> Young wee, wee Baby Bratton. We baby Bratton wants to go to the mall with his friend Kyle who smells like cheese. And Kyle's driving, I guess?
1: Or Kyle's brother's Kyle's driving. Kyle's brother. Kyle li- is a child.
0: What are we... Child Lyle. Kyle. Kyle, Kyle.
1: <laughs> Kyle Child.
0: What is Charles... Nope, none of those were the words I meant to say. What is Kyle's brother's name? Do we remember? Does he have a name? Like. Like. What if it's Lyle... Kyle and Lyle. Kyle and Lyle. Kyle smells like cheese. Lyle smells like pickles. Together they make pregnant women hungry.
1: I feel like Kyle and Chad should be.
0: Oh, Chad. A
1: Kyle and a Chad.
0: Oh, Chad. Hi, I'm Chad. I drive an automobile.
1: Yeah. So Brighton wants to go to New Jersey. Yeah. Let's call it Nerd Jersey. Nerd Jersey. Nerd
0: Jersey is where all the Star Trek conventions happen on the East Coast.
1: Uh, I wants to go to a mall in New Jersey, and Fran is like, no, don't do that,
2: not allowing this. How are you gonna get there? His brother's driving. How long has he had his license? A while. A while? Ten years? Or a while he still looks like the picture on his license?
1: Brighton goes off, he's upset. Uh, I do want to remark on uh, Maggie and Gracie are both picking outfits to go to the play. Maggie comes out in a, uh, a, a little sequin number. It's like baby blue. And Fran was like, no, nah, you look like a whore. That's my dress. Go put it back. Yeah. And that's a funny little hee-haw. It's a
0: hee-haw, yeah.
1: Fran being like, only I can look like a whore in this house. And then Gracie comes and Gracie's in a cute little dress and she's wearing some shiny Mary Janes. Like, Brighton says that he can see my underpants through my Mary Janes, which is a creepy fucking thing for Brighton to be talking about. But Fran does point out that, yeah, you can actually see the reflection of your underpants. You can see up your skirt through there.
2: Oh, I see you wearing the new Bobby underpants I bought
0: you. It reminded me of a joke in Red Dwarf, because most things do, of uh, Lister talking about a friend he had in school who taught him how to use, how to put mirrors on the... On his shoes so he can look up girls' dresses. It's a different time.
1: Yeah, it's not it's not good.
0: No, it's bad. But Fran also uses the reflection to look at Gracie's knickers.
1: Yeah, I just look at a small child's underpants.
0: Yeah, she runs off screaming, and with good cause. Yeah. That's rough. Rough to experience. Brighton wants to go to the to the gym. No, he does not. He wants to go to the mall, and Fran says no.
2: Oh, cheer up, honey. Hey, I've been to that mall. They don't even have a Judy's there.
0: <laughs> so, Brighton goes to see Chester Mayfield, his father. I'm reminding the audience of this because it hasn't been a lot of him being a dad for a season and a half.
1: Yeah, and so Brighton goes like, Hey, Dad, I want to go to this mall. Fran said no, because she's a woman and she doesn't get that us men sometimes need to go to malls in New Jersey <laughs> to be men.
0: You know how men like to just go to the mall?
1: And Chester Meffield is like, yeah, guys, men do like we to go to malls. We do like to go to the mall. In New Jersey sometimes to be men. At the mall At in the New Jersey.
0: Mall, yeah.
1: Have you ever been to a mall in New Jersey?
0: No, I've been to. That's a... how we know
1: that, That's how you should have realized that you that you weren't a man and that you were non binaries because you've never been to a mall in New Jersey.
0: Yeah. No, I have been to a seafood restaurant in New Jersey.
1: What kind of seafood restaurant? A good one. Good one, like a red lobster, the reddest <laughs> lobster,
0: <laughs> the crimson lobster. <laughs> bask in the warm glow.
1: I'm going to open a restaurant called the Scarlet Lobster.
0: (laughs) Scarlet Lobster. We are better. (laughs) That's just the tagline. We are better.
1: We are slightly orangier. (laughs) We're orange based.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, you're red, are you? Well, we are crimson. It just means you're a front for a communist encampment. I have no idea. Um, So Maxwell says, uh, you know what... Boys will be boys at the mall. Go be go be a mall boy. go go, go to Claires, get your ear pissed and Brighton um, is,
1: is so happy. he gonna be go be a mall boy. Oh, but who was listening on the other side of the door? It was Fran
0: Fran, much like the aliens in the hit motion picture aliens, was coming out of the goddamn walls. Like she steps <laughs> out of the wall like Homer Simpson emerging from a hedgerow and says to Brighton, Hey, maybe shut the fuck up a little bit. Maybe maybe I gave you an answer and you can't undermine me by going to your dad. Maybe,
1: like another uh uh popular nineties TV show, quote, you should learn to respect my authority.
0: Yes. Had that show started at this point? I don't think it had. I, don't I think, think South it Park had. started in ninety seven.
1: So it took it from Fran Fine. It
0: stole stole it from Fran Fine. Theft. Yeah. Theft I say. Because I think that was a season two South Park thing. How the do I know that? How do I know that? I don't know. Wretched.
1: I mean, I feel like they used to play more like earlier Mm. South Park. It was like easier to find those. Now it's, there's so much South Park that even if they want to like replay old episodes, it's from like 2012.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Although they did go back and remaster everything in high def. So good for them. But, there is a scene that takes place in Chester Mayfield's office that I don't remember the nature of the conversation, but it is the scene where Niles had used um, furniture polish I on re- the couch. I remember it. Tell uh, me more, Doc So they, so they come in,
1: first there's a bit where Niles is talking about this great furniture polish that he has used and it gets all the dirt off and that's when Cece comes and she's just going to lean on this couch and she just fucking falls off. And that was, again, fantastic pratfall
0: beautifully done. Watch
1: this episode. It is just for Lane that.
0: is so good at a comedy platform. Yeah,
1: cuz she commits to it. Like it's yeah. not like you can see on her face and like you you know that it's coming. Like they they've set up this yeah. joke for her to do it, but she plays it entirely straight. Like she has no idea that this is going to be happening. Like she's yeah. a great physical comedian. She
0: should be doing more. The f- I will say the first half of this episode has some really good like, back and forth dialogue. Like, the jokes are good. The comebacks are good. The conversations are good. The character interactions are just very strong. It felt, at times, actually, I mean, with the exception of the the dirt just slides off bit we were just talking about, a lot of this feels like you could do it as a radio play. Like, it's just a really... The first half is so strong, for yeah, dialogue. It's, it's quippy. Yeah, quippy is definitely the word.
1: Yeah. The So, the scene in question is, Fran comes in and he's like, hey, the you just allowed Brian to do this thing that yes, I specifically said... No, he can't do that. And she explains, like, he's going out to New Jersey with, like, a young kid who probably is not uh, good at driving. The part that actually worries Chester Meffield is the going out to New Jersey part because it's, ha New Jersey.
0: Yeah, but a joke I never like- understood because I was in New Jersey for a long weekend and it was very nice. It had just been snowing and I went to a lovely seafood restaurant. And I stayed in the longest, widest Airbnb I've ever been in. The
1: longest, widest?
0: It was very long. Did you measure your Airbnbs by width? It was very long. Actually, I say widest. It was narrow. It was a very narrow Airbnb with a lot of rooms in it. Very odd. I'm boring you, apparently.
1: (laughs) Uh, But Chester Meffield is horrified. And she's like, yeah, I had a reason for saying no. And you completely undermined everything that I did. And uh, she has a whole bit of like, Children are like bras. And Chester Malfiel is like, I don't, we haven't, this isn't season three or season four. I don't want to talk about your boobs yet. Um, Oh no, he
0: wants to, but he's not ready.
1: He's not ready to have that conversation, which he's like, but they divide and separate. Which is such like, that's a... That's that's a a Wonder
0: Bra thing specifically, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: But that is so different than I feel like the way that we have boobs or... The way that we have
0: boobs. The way that we have
1: boobs. <laughs> the way that we have bras now, bras are like still doing the lift, but a lot of them more, more pushing them together because they want more of like the cleavage the cleave, stuff. Yeah. Whereas those are bras meant for if you're wearing something that is more higher up, you don't want the uniboob, you want them kind of like separated. Yeah. And so that's, that was always something of like Wonder Bra when it was like lift and separate. It's like, but how will I get cleavage if you've separated them? Well,
0: we know the answer to that. You stuff my socks in your bra. Yeah. Yeah. But
1: yeah, friends, like, don't undermine what i'm saying you can't like if i've said no to something you have to agree with you have with to me. back me up you have to back me up when i make a decision even if you don't understand yeah. why i did that you have to understand that i have a reason for doing yeah, it
0: because you have to remember of the two of us i'm the one raising your kids <laughs> and you are
1: on doing that yeah. question mark and it's about having a unified front we have to present a unified front to these people and that will come back
0: later Mm. So we go to the opening of the play No we don't Uh, Kyle shows up
1: Oh Kyle does show up
0: Well no first we get a shot of Fran Like talking down as if she's talking to one of the kids Saying
2: I don't want to hear that you don't want to go tonight That man works very hard to put a roof over your head now stop whining and go put on your party clothes. Oh,
0: oh. <laughs> and then we cut to a wide shot, and it's Niall sitting on the chair on, on the the stairs with his head in his hand, pouting like a child. It was a. It was here's the thing. Totally saw it coming, but it's she, execution was ten out of ten.
1: Yeah, I feel like that is uh, what we say about most things in the nanny. Of like, you absolutely see it coming. Yeah. Like this is a. 30 uh, year old show this, It's, all, it's of tropey, jo- yeah. all of the jokes ha- have been done before and if they hadn't been done before they have been done since in other shows yeah. that you've seen more recently but they are done very very well so you yeah. enjoy them even when you know that they are coming it doesn't
0: hurt as well like even in the 90s The Nanny was a throwback sitcom yeah it's gonna do tropes it's gonna do gags and goofs that you've seen before but it is 100% it's not about this is a new joke that you're experiencing for the first time which in fairness for some of its audience may well have been in the 90s but also it's about execution and i do feel like this episode in particular the front half is very radio radio play quippy back and forth dialogue and then the second half felt so i so i love Lucy.
1: yeah i feel like this if it's not already this should be a show that people like discuss like in classes oh, i absolutely. feel like this is a, yeah. it is such a it's such a tropey thing of like here's how you but here's how you do these things well yeah here's how you do all of these known bits here like the fundamentals of comedy yeah and it's like yeah you know what's coming you're still gonna laugh when it happens
2: yeah
0: it's like you know what the aristocrats is but there's a difference between say Jerry Seinfeld doing the aristocrats and Gilbert Gottfried who was known for his aristocrats you know also uh, to your point of this is a show people should be Learning about in in college and and courses and so on. This episode is for kind of along those same lines. Uh, this is already a top five episode for me. Like this is one of my favorites. I think if you wanted to show someone what is the nanny about, this is one of the episodes to do that. I'm getting ahead of myself because we usually talk about the end. So Kyle shows up,
1: and Kyle Kyle fucking looks like the Riddler in oh, the Batman. Kyle, yeah, <laughs> Kyle <laughs> think... is absolutely going to shoot up a school in a Kyle, year or two.
0: Kyle was definitely like really upset that he didn't get to kill Bruce Wayne.
1: Kyle is one of those people who, like, would just sit at recess and pull the legs off of bugs because he enjoyed watching them suffer.
0: Don't let the age fool you. Kyle was the Zodiac Killer. (laughs) Ted Cruz, Ted, no, this kid grows up to become Ted Cruz. That's what happens. This is Ted Cruz.
1: (laughs) So, uh, Ted Cruz is, uh, there and he's like, they also make all this whole joke of, apparently this is the Kyle that smells like cheese. Yeah. So they're constantly making jokes about how he smells like cheese. Like,
0: before he shows up, Niles says, does someone smell cheese? And then the doorbell rings. He's also wearing a bomber jacket that is eight sizes too, but he's swimming in this thing. He looks like one of the, the, the dwarves from Snow White.
1: Brighton is about to go leave and Fran kind of nudges Chester Mafia and Chester Mafia was like, no, wait, you can't go to the thing even though the person's literally here and drove all the way here and maybe you should have decided this before the fucking kid came. Yeah, maybe
0: you should have like done, the, done that 180 a little bit sooner, Tony Hawk.
1: Yeah. And he was like, no, you you can't go. You have to listen to uh, Fran yeah. from now on.
0: You know uh, when you buy a, f- a picture frame from Sears and the fo- there's like a, already a photo in it? That guy enters the scene?
1: Yeah, and he's like, I'm I'm Kyle's brother. I can't remember what we said his name Lyle. is going to be. Lyle or Chad? Lad? Schlyle. I'm Lad. I'm Lad Schlyle. <laughs> and I am here to drive your children to New-, New Jersey. I'm a
0: responsible adultman.
1: I loved your play, Chester Meffield. I, low, I look like the Gap. But it's because I'm from the Gap. Chester Meffield was all about this. He was like, "This seems like an upstanding, There's kid. A responsible yeah, can, adult here." We can go uh, let them into the mall. And Fran's like, nah, this is a trick. This is a fake child that they have hired to make it's him
0: a fake f- child. They made <laughs> him out of papier mâché. <laughs> you like, hit this kid one time with a wiffle ball. She bat, just becomes candy. like a
1: fucking Zenigata, shouts loop on, and just rips Lupin! his face
0: off. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pulls off his head and has Tony Oliver underneath. Like. <laughs> no, um, she starts asking him a bunch of questions about where do you go to school? And he's like, you know, all of them. And it's he's giving very Sarah Palin-y answers and kind of dodging questions. And uh Fran does the jacuzzi.
1: I can see New Jersey from my house. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and uh and then France says are you a fake or a fraud or a phony and he goes yeah i think i am where did they find you oh page 27 of the gap catalog they cast a spell on the page and i came to life oh
1: they said from the gap catalog i thought they, no, they literally just the hired somebody from the gap
0: they gave he does work at the gap and they gave him 20 bucks but he looks so much like one of the models that the joke I was doing was that they cast a spell on him or they put him in a haunted Xerox machine. And
1: it was a fucking weird science. Yeah,
0: a weird science, this catalog model. So they could go
1: to New Jersey. Yeah.
0: <laughs> he, set, he leaves. He's not going to give Carl a refund. And then Carl's just, at, Carl is abandoned. Carl doesn't get to go home. No. Kyle lives with the shit. He's going to be in the opening titles next week. <laughs> it's, it's going to say all the actors' names, and then it will pan down to Gracie, and then it will pan way across to Kyle in the corner with cheesy stink lines. It will just say, and Kyle.
1: And Kyle.
0: <laughs> so that they don't get to go to the mall.
1: No. That's
0: the end of that storyline. That storyline is done.
1: Storyline, I mean, the storyline does fit in, it has
0: repercussions, yeah. It has repercussions. Story but that storyline yeah. is like,
1: this is something of like, this is a, a show with an A and a B plot, and this kind of seems like it is the B plot, mm. but the B plot wraps up like, uh, super soon, yeah. So it's like, what are you gonna do? Right. But it's like, hey, you they, that A plot didn't really seem like there was any plot going on, now here's the time because. They're they're going to the play. They have gone to the play, and now they're going to after party, which was a big thing. The reason why Fran super wanted to go to the play was because she wanted to go to the after party and hobnob with celebrities.
0: Yes, Niles has a great line where he says that his hob has never been nobbed, and Fran tells him to just wear a low cut. Yeah, top. you
1: got to be a little more of a whore though. You hey gotta, Niles, you Niles, it up.
0: where's that deep V? Where's that cleave?
1: Where's that cleave? Was that think,
0: cleave, Niles? Do
1: you think Daniel Davis has ever done some cleave?
0: God, I hope so.
1: So I guess he doesn't do it when he's Moriarty in that other there's, Star Trek one. There's
0: no, there's no cleave on display for Moriarty. Uh, there should
1: there should have been though. He
0: st- when he does appear in the in his sequel episode, like season five or six, he does still have that very 80s mullet that they gave him though. Yeah, because it's, he's playing the same character, and they have to they have to have visual continuity.
1: When was season five? Of-
0: season well, know that season one was I want to say 88. So season two, sorry, season five or six would have been 92, 93.
1: Because that would have been right around the time that this was airing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, so they uh, they go, they're all looking up. There's another Cece
2: Boobcock yeah, reference. They, uh, uh, uh,
0: uh, Chester Miffield and Cece Boobcock are having their photo taken together. One of the photographers calls her. Mr.
2: Sheffield, could we get a photo of you and Miss Boobcock? <laughs>
0: And And
1: she's distressed at first, but, like, the sudden change on her face, like, oh, I'm getting a picture taken.
0: For me, my brain went, oh, it's a branding thing. People all of a sudden recognize the boobcock name. It's on a billboard in in Times Square, apparently. She's got to be Cece Boobcock from now yeah,
1: on. Yeah, from now on, it's the boobcock all the way. Have
0: you noticed whenever they talk about one of Chester Meffield's plays, it's always just Chester Meffield, but now she's getting recognition. Yeah. And all she had to do was take out the BAB and put it, her titties into the name. And
1: knowing what we know at the end of the series of what uh, Niles and Cece's relationship will end up being, because it's it's the joke that Niles is the one who like made that typo happen. Yeah. Maybe he did this to help her career. And it's like, a quantum get leap the situation. Boob, the Boobcock name and build that up. What about this as a quantum it's, leap oh, no, it's situation?
0: Easy. It's easy. In the original timeline, the, the newspaper says Babcock. She doesn't get any recognition. She eventually falls out of favor in the in the New York theater scene, moves to like Minnesota, the smallest of the sodas, I might add, and uh, What
1: is the other soda?
0: Maxi soda, obviously. That goes without saying.
1: Not Sarah soda? I don't know what that is. You don't know what Sarasota is?
0: Didn't she play Buffy the Vampire Slayer? <laughs> it's
1: in Florida.
0: Okay, no, I've <laughs> never been there. I would, I would have no idea. Um, Benjamin, yeah, you're in-
1: gonna marry someone from Florida.
0: Yeah, you're gonna marry someone from England. Tell me what, where Newcastle upon Tyne is. Yeah.
1: Newcastle upon Tyne? Yeah. It's up. It's above time. It's up there. It's upon time. It's in the name.
0: Sorry, sometimes it's difficult to
2: understand the, uh, the Geordie people.
1: There's also a Wessex in Essex, a Sussex. There's no Norsex, or Nossex. What's Nossex? Uh,
0: oh, he sang, uh, "Take my horse to the old town road. I'm gonna ride till I can't <laughs> no more." Uh, I, so I'm just getting word that I've been fired from the podcast. Um, there's a there's a protest happening. There's a strike.
1: Yeah.
0: No, no. I'm going to talk about a quantum leap thing. So in the original timeline, she she she's, she becomes a nobody. Her theater career fails, and as a result of that, I don't know nuclear war. Haven't got that far. Sam Beckett, Scott Bakula.
1: I hate I hate hearing any. So my I used to know nothing about Quantum Leap. I learned about Quantum Leap in 2015, and then suddenly realized a lot of like one of my favorite books reference Quantum Leap. All this other stuff is referencing Quantum Leap. Uh, My life has become notably worse since learning about Quantum Leap. And every time that I learn something about Quantum Leap, my life gets a
0: little bit worse. Andy, you're getting married. Uh, oh, yeah, oh yeah, you're right, to me. Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs> um, Sam, Beckett, Sam Beckett leaps into the body of Niles, because Niles has to stop C.C. Babcock from falling out of repute with the, with the n- New York theatre crowd. But he's got to do it in a way that is consistent with who Niles is. He can't be nice to C.C. because that's suspicious. So what does he do? Ah, I'm going to do the typo. Everyone will love boob cock. Boob cock. Name the name. Your name and lights, kid. Name on a billboard. It on the a newspaper. Fucking
1: billboard? Like how many accidents will that cause? Cause you're just like, ha ha, ha boobs and cock. No. Ah!
0: Yeah, people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. People die and they crash. But but Cece lives. And that's all he's there for. And there's this fucking uh, owl in the corner going, uh, Ziggy says you've got a 98% chance of success if you put a typo in a name that prints as boob. And then he does it. And then Cece, suddenly everyone wants to know who Cece Boobcock is. Yeah, everyone's Over all here, about Mrs. Cece. Boobcock, there's, a, there's a moment when they're entering or they're trying to get into the the, the the after party where you see Niles enveloped in a shimmery blue light. And then uh, Scott Bakula leaps on to his next thing, which I think was an episode of, um, of Family Ties. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, there's a there's a protest happening because the busboys are on strike.
1: Yeah, the busboys are on strike. They're uh, picketing. They're, like, walking around. They all got signs. Fran sees this and is very distressed. Cece is distressed and be like, oh, nobody will uh, have their uh, drinks taken away. Because that's who Cece is. And Cece will absolutely cross a fucking picket line. Classic
0: boobcock behavior. Uh,
1: and Chester Meffield is about to cross the picket line as well. And is asking Fran, like, are we going in? And she's like, no, my mother had three rules. Um, Do you remember
0: the three rules? uh, Don't wear wear musk at the zoo.
1: Oh, yeah. That was the the third third one. one. Uh, I think the first one was also like a fashion or like a beauty tip.
0: Don't trust anyone over 30. No. That's Peter Frampton. Um, That's Homer Simpson, Benjamin. Uh, I don't remember the first one. The second one was never cross a picket
1: line. Yeah, never cross a picket line.
0: I think it's interesting that they went comedy one, the real one, comedy one. Usually the structure of that kind of joke is comedy one, comedy one. Real one.
1: But they the way that they do this, because again, like learning things about comedy of like, oh, we're gonna do a rule of threes joke, but we're gonna start off with a with a funny one, but it's like a basic funny one. And then do the serious one, but she's like, I forgot the third one. And then she comes back to give it. So it's like giving like a kind of like giving that gap of time in order for that to be a funny. Yeah. Cause the first one, like on its own, those three aren't necessarily all of that funny. But it's that like uplift, then serious, moment of pause. Bit, the actual yeah. joke yeah. again it's like you can learn so much about comedy from this goddamn yeah, show
0: it has a structure fran refuses to cross the picket line chester Methfield says you're gonna fucking cross the picket line or my name isn't chester b Mayfield.
1: And she's like i'm not crossing that picket line and uh they they basically fight because chester meffield is trying to drag her in and somebody snaps a photo which ends up in the paper the next day
0: yeah then this is where your act break is because with the act break before we go into what would be the commercial break we see a shot of that newspaper with the picture front and center of the entertainment section Chester Mayfield pulling on uh, on Fran in a way that does look a little bit like he's doing her up the bum Little bit. I don't know if that yeah. was intentional. And it
1: does say Chester Maffield has labor
0: pains. Yeah, there was that. Now, would you please come in before this turns into no. a spectacle? No. Mm-hmm. I can't. Would you let go, no. Miss? Why? Would you please? Would no. you? So we come back into the kitchen at the Maxwell house, and uh one of my favorite visual gags comes up.
1: Yeah, so. <laughs> First off, Fran is in the kitchen and she is talking like, oh, so awful. I uh, probably ruined Chester Melfield's night.
0: Because she sees a, like just a suited pair of legs with his uh, head in the fridge. The fridge. And yeah. she's like
1: complaining denials, uh, like, oh, he must be so upset. And then kind of like coming up with her game plan of how uh, she will get. Chester Meffield to forgive her, but uh, actually, uh, a suited person goes behind her and we realize it is actually Chester Meffield.
2: You know what I'll do just to diffuse the situation? I'll tell him how adorable he is, compliment him on his accent. And if that fails, I can always turn on the tears. He's a real sucker for crying. And then Niles walks right by, and she's like, oh, hey, Niles,
1: and then realizes that she has not been talking to Niles this entire time. This
0: whole very I love Lucy already. And then we get to the part where uh, Maxwell uh, wants to look at the entertainment section, and Fran said, "Oh, don't worry. I've already scrubbed through the whole thing. There wasn't a single mention." nobody,
1: nobody <laughs> talked about it. And he pulls up the front page.
0: He opens the the entertainment section, and there's a big rectangular hole in
1: the front. Yeah, <laughs> it is so good. And then he oh. like he does the Ricardo I love Lucy thing of like, "Oh, let me give you a picture." And he's like sticks his hand his head through and just yells at Fran through it.
0: Let's imagine what this picture would have looked like. Hmm? <laughs> Miss Fine is <laughs> so good. And again, I don't think we, I don't, here's the thing. I don't think us describing it does it justice. I, I would strongly encourage you if you have not done it so already. It is a already,
1: thousand percent like a visual gag. It's
0: so good. And again, f- it feels very old school sitcom. It's very I Love Lucy in the best possible way. Everything is good. Everyone's performance is on point. The timing is on point. A lot. And a lot of it is, again, it's that first reveal where Chester Miffle goes to open the paper, paper and he's holding it in such a way that the audience cannot see the front page at all. And then there's one quick motion and you see that rectangle. I cackled, yeah. listener. I guffawed. It
1: is so good. And then continuing it on from poking his, his head through. Yeah. And it's very much a thing of like, oh, uh, as we're saying, a lot of this pulls from I Love Lucy. And you must be like, Mandy, why wouldn't someone just study I Love Lucy in school? Because obviously, they're pulling off from that. No, the thing that you actually want to learn is like, oh, hey, we're copying jokes. Here's how to copy a joke very well. And here's how to make a joke that like, you know what the joke is. You have seen it before. Here's how to do it. And it's still flawless because it's entirely in the execution of it.
0: You know how Cozy does like a block, like a a two hour block in the evening. And also in the middle of the day as well. I've discovered of just the nanny episodes. I think they could get away with, a block of oscillating between I Love Lucy and the Nanny. Because yeah. tonally, they're very similar shows. So again, I'm not saying anything new to our listeners. You've waited a month and a half for us to say something new, and I'm comparing the show to I Love Lucy.
1: Yeah, there is... I have to look up, like, the there is a scene that has been cut from uh, later uh, recordings of it, so I don't believe that it is on the Shot Factory DVD, but they do, like, make an explicit reference where they put... Uh, Fran into an episode of The Nanny mm. and it has not like because of the Do you div- mean
0: they put Fran into an episode of I Love Lucy? Oh
1: into an episode of like they put Fran into an episode of I Love Lucy and they have uh, her like reacting in uh, Lucy then like conversing in that way of like she just kind of green screened and they like pick certain scenes to make it seem like Lucy is reacting to her mm. which uh It's just like on YouTube now, but I'll have to like look up which episode it's specifically in because I want to make sure that when we watch that episode, we should also watch that scene.
0: Is it one of those things where it's been removed for rights reasons? Yeah. Yeah, Of it's been too
1: difficult in any of like the releases since for them to put that in there. Gotcha. But it's like a dream sequence that she has where she gets to be an I Love Lucy.
0: Interesting. Oh, I didn't know that they'd done that. We have to look out for that one. So there is an invitation. For Cece Boobcock and Chester Meffield, for those are their legal names, to appear on the show Sally Jesse Raphael.
1: Which I didn't know was a show, like, again, I think I'd said this previously, I did not, I knew the name Sally Jesse Raphael, but I only knew it as a joke. Yeah. Particularly of like, oh, we have a comedy bit where we need to name three people, we're going to name them Sally Jesse Raphael.
0: But that's a that's a human person.
1: That was a human person yeah. who I guess had like a daytime talk show, like yes. I didn't. I watched Jenny Jones and it's Ricky Lake? Ricky Lake. Ricky Lake. Jenny Jones and Ricky Lake were like my shit.
0: Yeah. No, A little did, bit
1: of Jerry Springer. I
0: did think up until we saw her and I went, oh, yeah, that's what she looks like. I had been picturing Vicky Lake. Oh. Different person. Yeah. I fucking,
1: I fucking. And then Tyra Banks, when Tyra Banks had her daytime talk show. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, had the people oh, who had two vaginas.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: The Two Vaginas episode. Okay. You don't know what the two I don't know that Tyra Banks
0: made it to the UK.
1: Well, uh, Tyra Banks, it uh, was a whole uh, segment about uh, uh, people who had two vaginas. And one of them, like, they had different kind of uh, things. One of uh, them, she had a, a very nice little story about, like, oh, my uh, husband took my second vagina's virginity.
0: Aww. <laughs> because <laughs>
1: <laughs> we were only using one of the vaginas. And then we went to the doctor one day and was like, oh, no, you got another one in there.
0: That's fine. You can, you can, uh...
1: You get to pick and choose. Sometimes, like, they were talking from different ones of some people was, like, entirely here separate things, and other times it was like, no, you got one, but there's, like, a slot in there, like, it, like, some skin just kind of grew, and you have, like, a little, like, an island It's like where they take,
0: it's like where they take one big house and they split it up into apartments? Yeah, that's what,
1: but vaginas. Okay. Yeah. It's fucking phenomenal, and I don't expect anyone to, because I don't think a lot of people watch the Tyra Banks show, but if you fucking watch... Tyra Banks show was also phenomenal because Tyra Banks used to do a lot of shit, but I'm going to learn the plight of homeless people by being homeless for a day, not a night, a day. I'm basically just going to walk around Los Angeles in the daytime, which a lot of people just do normally, but <sighs> I'm going to get the true homeless
0: experience. I'm still Tyra Banks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did she do anything, like, with her hair? Yeah,
1: they put her in makeup, so she just kind of, like, oh, uh, again, she's still a fucking model, so she still looked gorgeous. And just in, like, some basic clothes that were, like, a little grimy. It was like, oh, and now she's home. Again, I cannot stress enough, it was for a day. You're not homeless for a day, you're homeless for a night.
0: It it reminds me of that episode of Glee from, like, the first season, which I am in, by the way. I'm in the episode where everyone's like, well, I'm going to use a wheelchair to get the experience of what it's like to be in a wheelchair. Well, I didn't know you had it so tough. I'm really going to rethink my stance on disability. And then they get up out of their wheelchair and they walk away, leaving the person in the wheelchair on their own. Like, okay, cool. You've learned fuck all. This was trite. and Which is Glee in a nutshell, really. Yeah.
1: what was, so, what was your job in that episode? I was background. So, but what, I was, did, just what was your
0: Some teen. But what, I were, was, what were you
1: doing? Were you on your way to math class?
0: I probably. i tell you what I was. I was given Dirty Looks by Leah Michelle, who yeah. thought I needed to be dead. Cece and Chester Merfield are on Sally, Jesse, Raphael.
1: Yeah, they're trying to do uh, damage control, which uh, Cece's like, I'm just going to throw Fran under the bus and say that she's a crazy nut, and that will absolutely solve all of her problems. Uh, Niles points out, like, you have boob cock on a billboard. You are not able to solve any problems. (laughs) They are at the show, and Chester Metfield and Cece are up, and they're talking about the show, and Sally Jesse Raphael is immediately like, hey, what, you're doing a show about unions and you crossed a fucking picket line. And not only did you cross it, you made your employee cross it against her will.
0: And to Chester Meffield's credit, he comes out swinging. He's like, yeah, this is a, our, our show. We have over 300 union employees. Like, we, I'm very pro-union, but this is where the, the after party was and I did kind of have to get in. like
1: no you absolutely fucking don't especially you were the most important there of like if you don't show up everyone is there for you they'll all leave if you don't go in you were the most important like you were the
0: decision making person there also no one brings this up but I feel like someone should have researched what was going on with the bus boys at the location they picked for the wrap party the after party like that's something you could have researched Chesto
1: granted that is something that I feel like is harder than like today it's very easy for us to find out of, like, don't go to this grocery store, yeah. they're on a strike right now, or don't shop at this particular time. It's very easy to get that information out. Yeah, don't go um, to this then, coffee people, shop
0: because the lattes are fucking terrible. Yeah,
1: even then, people miss that all the time yeah. because there's, well, it's much harder when there's not, like, the internet of, like, when would you have got that? Yeah. Of uh, So I will give credit of, like, not knowing and, like, uh, signing up for it, but, like, day of, there is a picket line. You do not cross the picket line. Yeah.
0: And that's Fran's argument: is you know you don't you don't cross a picket line. Where you know I'm pro union, I'm pro working class. And
1: oh yeah, they do have like an argument earlier on, like uh, during the the previous uh, scene where Chester Meffield was like, "Oh, I get it," because Fran is like, "You don't understand because you're you've always been rich, so you don't understand how important unions are for the working work. class." yes yeah. uh, it's like I get it, and then there's a bit where. Uh, Gracie and Maggie are fighting over who gets the limo and who gets the town car mm-hmm. because uh, Maggie has to go uh, horse riding and Gracie has to go on a play date with the Trump. Trump. Oh my God, yeah. Fran is actually in the audience of the Sally Jesse Raphael show. And Sally Jesse Raphael, I don't know how to parse her name as, as to not just say all of it. Is it Sally Jesse? Is it just Sally? Just say
0: Sally Jesse Raphael. There's no other way to do it. Sal
1: Jess Ralph.
0: Sal Jess Ralph.
1: Sal Jess Ralph.
0: Sal uh, is <laughs> like,
1: hey, you should be on the show though. And Fran was like, no, I couldn't. But also, yes, yes, absolutely.
0: Here's the thing: if Cece hadn't hadn't just immediately as a non secretor just gone like Fran is a disgruntled nut because she offers <laughs> that unprompted. Yeah, because she's like, oh, I've remembered. She I've remembered my line. Bit. this will fix everything. Fran's a fucking piece of shit. And that is when Sally, Jesse, Raphael, Jesse, Sally recognizes that, oh, Fran Fine, the nanny is in the audience. That feels, the way that Sally, Jesse, Raphael called attention to Fran felt very, Sally, Jesse, Raphael has been pulled from our universe, the real world into the world of the sitcom and recognizes the titular character of the show. (laughs) Or was Fran referred to in the newspaper as Chester Meffield's nanny, comma, Fran Fine?
1: I mean, maybe.
0: Or is this a WandaVision situation where um, Sally Jesse Raphael was sent in to try to rescue anyone who's been trapped in Gracie's web of nightmares <laughs> and has been consumed into the narrative as TV show, talk show, talk show host, TV show host... Sally Jesse Raphael. That would
1: explain why I know the name Sally Jesse Raphael, yeah. but I don't have any context for what she yeah. actually does because she, she no, she's Pentagon. no longer part of our universe. She's <laughs> yeah. stuck in she the got nanny. She's sucked into she's, the nanny vision. She's yeah, suck. She has been sucked entirely into Little Gracie's world. Yeah. to the point where she no longer exists in ours. So she's, she's not part of my consciousness at all. Yeah. But there's there's little trace remnants of her.
2: Yeah, people fall out of the world sometimes, but they they always leave traces. Little things we can't quite account for. Faces in photographs, luggage, half-eaten meals.
0: Rings. So Fran Fine, uh, quote-unquote, reluctantly goes down to join the show. Sally, Jesse, Raphael tells Cece to move over to make room. There's only one seat, so Cece is now standing. Fran sits in the seat and spends the majority of her time looking at her own image on the television.
1: Which wouldn't you! I spent fucking every if if I am ever on a Zoom call with you you need to know that I'm looking at myself.
0: Yeah. Um when we were at Kauai Con, uh, you did discover the booth nearby had a full length mirror. Yeah. And that is where you spent like a parakeet quite a lot of your time. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's fucking great. Whenever I would like uh, head off somewhere I would always like go check back cuz it's partly a thing of I'm there for cosplay and I'm in a big wig in like oh, I was very like oddly fitting outfit. And I don't know what I look like. So there are times where I'm greeting people and my wig is like all the way back and like all this stuff. And nobody fucking tells me. I'm like, I need a mirror so I know what the fuck I look like. Unfortunately, they had a mirror. Yeah, so. right there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Fran and Ch- Chester Mayfield get into it about Picket lines.
1: And Fran is very much coming at it from a, like, you don't cross picket line. Yeah. Chester Meffield is coming at it from a perspective of, like, oh, you had this big thing of when I say something, you have to trust me on this. Um, and you didn't, but you didn't do the same to me. You, like, I said that we needed we're supposed to, to we're yeah, supposed, we're supposed to be a team. You're supposed to be a team. We're supposed to be a united front.
0: Which comes back to the the, the B story with Brighton that happened in the first half of the episode.
1: Yeah, like, it's, like, coming back around, but it it's well-written in that sense of, mm. like, how it comes back around. It does suck because, like, then it's like a, no, but Fran's talking about fucking unions, though, and crossing a yeah. picket line. This is a, you need to listen to Fran again when she's talking about a goddamn picket line. It's like, the whole thing was we're a united front, for Fran saying things because Fran has been right about the stuff. None of the things that you have been talking about, Chester Meffield, has proven to be right. So uh, go fuck yourself. Also,
0: as someone who presumably needs to have some kind of knowledge of like marketing his plays, marketing his shows, and CeCe Boobcock also marketing her plays, marketing her boobs, they have to know it's bad optics, right? They have to know it's bad optics. And if they don't know it's bad optics, they are bad. At their jobs,
1: yeah, and like it's something of a perspective which Fran points out of like you are y'all are rich people. You don't have to think about how important unions are. Unions are again, unions are important. You did like, and you're putting on this play, and you're like talking, you're proclaiming how great unions are, and then you're crossing picket lines. You can't have it both ways. Yeah, you can't be like oh, I'm totally down with the unions until they inconvenience me personally.
0: Especially when you're doing a show that is about unions. Like, yeah. come on, my dude, my guy, my pal.
1: Yeah, but they ultimately come to uh, this kind of agreement of, uh, like, seeing each other, like, both sides kind of thing. Like, nah, it's not a both it's sides thing. It's not a both kind of sides thing.
0: thing. I think the real thing about the Sally Jesse... Sally... The Sally, the Sally Jesse Raphael moment is... Is is Chester Mayfield saying? Well, look, it was a very important night for me. You're important to me, ergo I wanted you there.
2: Ergo, who's ergo?
0: <laughs> and it feels like they were trying to create another one of those moments where it feels like they they might be on the cusp of like acknowledging their feelings for each other, but it the framing of it, the the pacing of it, the the dialogue isn't quite there. It comes close to reaching that kind of moment, and that's kind that kind of becomes where they they settle it is is Fran has this position about unions and Chester Mayfield thinks Fran is important to him. And that's the conclusion. Yeah, I feel
1: like if it weren't the framing device of, hey, you should cross a picket line for the guy that you're into. Yeah. It would have hit more emotionally, but I'm so thoroughly on the side of like, no. Fuck crossing a picket line. Like, don't, like, don't fuck with unions.
0: Do you know what this reminded me of, in a way? It reminded me of the episode from Jodie Whittaker's first season of Doctor Who, Kablam, the one at Space Amazon, Mm. where the whole thing is, actually, the system is fine. The way that Amazon treats its workers and its employees is fine it's being abused by people. And that's a shitty thing because the system was made by people. Yeah. And then at the end of it, the head of human resources says, oh, we gave everyone four weeks off and two weeks of paid vacation. So they're not going to work for four weeks and they're only getting paid for two of those. Cool, great, great, great. It's awesome. That's great stuff. Cool,
1: cool, cool. Tight, tight, tight. Cool, cool,
0: Comma, tight, tight, tight. Period. It feels like it's trying to say the right thing. And to its credit, this episode, I think, has more positive things to say about unions than Doctor Who has to say about amazon yeah or the workers at amazon it just it it reaches a a a disappointing conclusion
1: yeah it's one of those things this goes into uh the flaws using political movements as kind of set dressing for an episode Mm -hmm. because this is the thing that you get into of like oh you want to have this like emotional cusp but you end up like spitting on that movement in order to kind of do your emotional bit you know, like, Then the emotions aren't necessarily good either and you kind of like – you lose people that yeah. way, which is why there is a hesitancy and there should always kind of be like – when you're using something like this of like how careful and how respectful will you be of that and then – some people like well, let's not bother with it because it is very difficult which i i don't necessarily think is the right choice but it is like if you're not going to put in the work of it and you're just gonna like oh the and we're just gonna hand wave off like oh we'll both agree to disagree because we care about each other and be like this is bad oh yeah I agree to disagree but uh part of that should be like you shouldn't you shouldn't cross that picket yeah. line
0: and to the episode's credit. It does the positive conclusion at the end is because they appeared on Sally Jesse Raphael. Yeah, they,
1: so then the next day, uh they're like at the kitchen table and
0: the union has won their dispute. The busboys won uh, the strike is over, they're back to work. They won their dispute and they're getting paid $8 an hour. And Fran immediately turns on them for and complains that they shouldn't be earning it $8 an hour. It's too much work for a busboy who takes your food before you finished it and uh, leaves you waiting for for ages and ages for your next drink. They so they they turn into Karen's complaining about yeah. uh complaining about uh $8 is too much. Mo- Firstly, also $8 is slight only slightly more than the federal minimum wage now.
1: Yeah, and it's it's one of those things like here's the again, this is a co- uh a popular comedy bit of like I'm going to pick a side and then at the end it's like oh actually being a hypocrite about that side or something like that is a, that is a comedy bit but it's comes at the sake of like, well, now I don't necessarily like, I was like on your side and now I'm not. And yeah. it like, I, I understand the bit. It is something, again, it's something that you see uh, coming. This one is maybe less funny than some of the yeah. other things of like, oh, this is a, this is a known bit and we're going to do it and it's funny. But this one a little less so. The
0: Chester Methfield saying that he's working class while getting Niles to clean gum off of his shoe and the kids are complaining about whether they get to take the limo or the town car. That's good shit. Yeah. Because that's, that is a rich person. That is someone who is in the 1% just being absolutely ignorant of their place in society and how people who are on lower the lower, lower rungs than them on the class ladder, how they have it and how yeah. they live.
1: And I I won't necessarily say that it's unfunny when Fran has been like pro union this entire time, and then when unions are getting something that is better than what she's getting, it's like ah the unions, because like that's a joke. That is a that is a it's comedic a,
0: juxtaposition.
1: Yeah, comedic juxtaposition. But it's it comes at the loss of respect of that character. Yeah. And I don't like you gotta like weigh those odds, and I don't know if they weighed those odds because we're not supposed to think that she's a hypocrite. We are supposed to like her and be on her side. Like it's not it's not an it's always sunny situation like people always want to be like when a character does something wrong but Like well, you're not supposed to agree with them but like yeah you fundamentally are it's not yeah. like something like it's, it's always sunny you are meant to disagree with them you're supposed to think that they're terrible people this isn't one we're supposed to we're supposed to be on Fran's side all the yeah. time and so we're supposed to ultimate common solution be like yeah support unions unless they ask for too much.
0: Yeah, this unless, is
1: unless unless those McDonald's workers want fifteen an hour. Who would want that?
0: Fifteen dollars an hour just to flip burgers. This is why you're all going to get replaced by robots. Oh no! Why can't I get my Big Mac in a timely fashion? Damn you, technolo droids! Um, that's kind of the gist of it. Um, yeah, I I think this is an I think this is an example of I do think I do think this is like a top five episode for yeah. me just in terms of structure, pacing. I think that last joke does. It's disappointing. Yeah.
1: And it's not even like, oh, it's a it's a joke that is told well. It is yeah. a it is a standard joke. It's something that you expect to see coming, which like the entire episode is pretty much that. Yeah. And so it it's still worth kind of like, oh, here the jokes are, but also worth acknowledging like you are kind of risking yeah. your
0: characters Credibility.
1: Yeah. And like their worth toward the audience, and you might lose some people yeah. with that. And like, is that is that worth it?
0: I think in the 90s, probably that wasn't a concern. And I think yep. in the 90s, it was more about ha ha he he comedic ju- juxtaposition. And I think because we are coming at it now from where we are right now with things like Starbucks unionizing and the Amazon unions and, and the minimum and, wage dispute.
1: And part of it, the way that unions have been slowly eroded from little jokes like that, and yeah. how that has become a thing of like, oh, we make all these little jokes, and then it becomes easier for big corporations to bust up unions yeah, and prevent yeah. them from happening in the first place. Because
0: jokes like this are insidious, and they make yeah, it. And there's like, it's that little, yeah. that
1: little thing, but like, well, why do I need a union? Why do I gotta pay all that money uh, to support a union? But yeah. They, they make sure that you are getting a yeah. good enough wage. And yeah, you're losing a bit of money of paying them, but you're getting more than you ever would have yeah. if they weren't there.
0: Now, we do get a, a scene during the credits, um, which is be an extension of the scene with the newspaper, because Fran was wearing the same dressing gown. And it's a dressing gown that uh, is covered in kind of white flowers with like a yellow center and white petals, which my blurry eyes did make it to my brain it looked like Fran had, like, eggs on her boobs. I can't remember what the actual joke was. though. It's gone. <sighs> I remember. Oh, well. Uh, it couldn't have been that good if we can't remember it. But the meat of the episode, what did you think of this episode? What were your thoughts?
1: I, th- I felt like this was a pretty decent episode. Yeah. I probably wouldn't put it the same, like, top five the way you would. I
0: think now we've picked it apart, I would probably maybe say top 10, top 15 i think maybe top five was just me being very enthusiastic at the beginning I, th- of I think
1: that the first half is very good yeah and i think part of the problem is that it is kind of like it's very segmented yeah but i would agree with you that like if you want to show someone like what the nanny is about this is actually a pretty good episode to do that with because it's gonna show all of it
0: yeah it, uh, you- but it's
1: also kind of a, a bar of like hey this is very 90s yeah
0: yeah, I think the only joke that wouldn't land if this was someone's first episode, you have to already know that CC Babcock's name is Babcock for the Boobcock joke. Well, maybe not. Maybe you don't need that at all, because Boobcock, you read that and you go, Oh, that's clearly not a person's name. But yeah, I think this is a good episode. You do hit you do get the uh the str- the strength of the dialogue in that first half. You get the I Love Lucy of it with the scene with the newspaper. You get The scene with the newspaper is so very, so very good. Very good. Oh, it might be one of my favorite scenes and in the show. there's,
1: again, a lot of physical comedy in the first and the second half. That second yeah. half of the whole bit with the cut-up newspaper. First half, you have both of your heroines doing, like, physical pratfalls. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, it's
0: the Sally, Jesse, Raphael scene, actually, that kind of... Not only dates the episode, but I think that's where things start to kind of grind to a halt a little bit.
1: Yeah, because they want to do this emotional bit, but they're also like, "Oh, we're gonna have a, a a guest star." Yeah, in it, and like maybe if I was coming to it with a bit more experience, they also spend a lot of time comparing Sally Jesse Raphael to Oprah.
0: They do some body shaming stuff in that area, which is not yeah. Great. But it, that was the nineties. The nineties, like there were so many jokes about Oprah's yo-yoing waistline.
1: Yeah, like that was a huge not to forgive thing. It. I. Uh, would recommend uh, there's maintenance phase. I believe it's on their main feed and not on their Patreon because they do like Patreon stuff as well. But I their main one. They do uh, one basically just about like Oprah's whole deal. So the entire podcast about like different like diet fads mm. and the way that we talk about like food stuff. And one of them was like just all about fucking Oprah and like th- how much like culture was about her weight up and down and what a fixation that was. Yeah.
0: And so it's difficult. If you're going to go back and watch any sitcom from the 90s, they're all going to do an Oprah joke at some point. The Nanny, Fresh Prince. Uh, was the Golden Girls on in the 90s? I'm sure Will and Grace did some Oprah stuff in the early, early years. That, but that's kind of... American sitcoms are going to do Oprah jokes. I, rem- I, don't, I can't think of any specific examples. I just remember as a kid... The only time I ever heard about Oprah on television was when there was a show. Yeah, right until
1: 1992.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah, I remember as a kid. The only time I'd ever hear about Oprah was when people were making a joke about her weight. I never saw Oprah. On, I'm sure. That, I'm sure the Oprah show made it to the UK. Um, I'm pretty confident it was actually, um, but I don't remember like seeing it. I only remember hearing about Oprah through sitcoms or or like South Park bits.
1: Yeah, and it's. I will give credit. Uh, I mean, we still get Oprah jokes now. But today, the main Oprah joke is getting a car for no reason.
0: Getting it, or, or the bees. The bees. bees gif. Those gifs with the bees. <laughs> we don't even talk about the Tom Cruise thing anymore.
1: No, not really.
0: The one thing I do remember is when she launched her own TV network, and she tweeted, please watch OWN right now, and got in trouble with, I think, the FCC, because you're not allowed to influence audiences like that. <laughs> um, but she also has, has her own magazine.
1: Yeah, which she was on the cover of every single yeah. uh, every single issue.
0: I don't have a magazine. No. Do you have a magazine?
1: No, I don't. You're
0: not on the cover of uh when I, Mandy magazine?
1: When I started at not my current pole studio, but the one that I initially started at, which is a cult. <laughs> uh, it was a cult that got in trouble cuz it traumatized people to the point that they were going in they were checking into psych wards wow. after some of the shit wow. that they were doing, which is not how any pole studio should be working. Uh but I tried out for this pole studio. And this was in like 2015. And like, "Oh, did you hear about us from Oprah?" I'm like, Oprah's been off the air for, like, a decade. And also, the bit that you're talking about was from, like, 2002. I was busy uh, being in uh, middle school.
0: <laughs> I love the voice that you did for that. It was like a uh, a gently confused elephant. <laughs> oh, uh, I didn't see that because I was eating peanuts at the circus.
1: Yeah, I was busy yeah. eating peanuts at the circus.
0: <laughs> bold peanuts. Your favorites.
1: In no, 2002, I would have been like 10. I'm still on maybe in elementary school or middle school. I was like right on the cusp.
0: You were uh, um, uh, uh, oh, no, sorry, the joke I was going to do was gone, because I couldn't remember the American educational system, and I also couldn't remember the astrological term I wanted to use, and I could hear the wind in my head <laughs> blowing betwixt my ears, just, just air, tragic.
1: But yeah, I mean, overall, I liked this episode. I think it's maybe not one that holds up to scrutiny mm. as much, um, and which, again, as I think is a risk if you are using, like, political m- moments, which, mm. like, I wouldn't necessarily like a union nowadays is a political movement, and I wouldn't necessarily call it one in the 90s. Like, I'm not, like, but in the way that everything is political, but using, like, this big important thing and using it for your comedy bit and, like, There are some risks in that inevitably.
0: I think they did a, up until the end, a pretty good job.
1: Yeah, it wasn't until they got to a, like, where they were kind of casting it aside, which, and I get, because, like, you're not doing a show about unions. you were doing a show about these people, and you want to have this relationship moment, but it comes kind of at the risk of, like, you shoving this thing off. Talking about next time.
0: Next time is season two, episode 14. I've got a secret. Oh. Maxwell tries to keep Fran from learning the identity of his celebrity house guest. Ooh. Special guest star Sally, Jesse, Raphael. No, I'm lying. That she's not. There's, <laughs> they don't list the special guests. Ah, oh,
1: that would be good. I mean, the fact that I don't know whether Shout Factory is not. Listing the name because they want it to be a surprise, mm, or, or the, because there's not actually any celebrity. It's just
0: Niles' dad, played by Eric Idle or some shit like that. Yeah, it, or it just could just be, it could be a, uh, that one guy's mum situation from the Big Bang Theory, where you only ever hear a voice and yeah, have, uh, that's yeah. what
1: that's what I'm thinking, and like you, you never yeah. actually see anybody. Yeah,
0: but that's what we're gonna watch uh, next time. So yeah, thank you very much for for joining us and for being patient with us while we took a little time off. If you enjoy the show, do please let your friends and family know. I let your enemies know because even they deserve to listen to top quality independent podcasts like ours. An itty bitty baby podcast live and die by word of mouth, and we would certainly appreciate yours mandy where can people find the show on the media socials
1: oh on uh, you can find the show at out on her fanny on instagram and twitter and facebook as and well. and facebook yep yeah. um you can also find us online at oofcast.com o-o-h-f cast.com
0: marvelous you can find me personally individually on social media i'm on twitter instagram tumblr a little bit now that Twitter's doing some stuff, but uh, I'm at Ben Patton. Mandy, who are you? And how did you get into my apartment?
1: <laughs> I got into this apartment by paying for it. Oh yeah. I am at Mandy Quesadilla. I am also on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, again a little bit on Tumblr. I talked about this a little bit of I'm still like I re things on Tumblr. I like scroll through Tumblr. I don't contribute to Tumblr. Like that used to be my main social media stuff. Yeah. I did everything. And then I got to a point, uh, this was after the porn ban and I was like, I just had my uh, Instagram photos that I was putting up were like automatically going to it. And I got like this ask from somebody and be like, I like the content that you post, but I don't like that some of your content is not appropriate for children. And I don't feel like you should be posting that because that is um not good for minors.
0: Oh God, fuck off.
1: And I'm like... That is like one at that point, that was like most of the stuff that I was posting that was original content. So, like, that just means that you don't like the stuff that I'm doing, and you should maybe just quietly unfollow me instead of making that something that is my responsibility.
0: Yeah, boom, fuck off, basically. Maybe
1: eat shit a little bit. I would go
0: so far. Actually, I'll take what you said, I'll go one further. Definitely eat actual shit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But then I got to the point of like I'm not I'm not dealing with this anymore because it's like how am I supposed to respond to that? I'm like, don't follow me if you're a minor. Then yeah, just don't do it. Yeah, I'm like minors maybe, DNI. Maybe you should talk to your mom, and your mom should tell you about like you just put on some PBS
0: for you. Yeah, a little. That's
1: not my problem. Watch a
0: little Arthur.
1: Arthur's gone. Arthur died. Arthur did not die. Arthur's dead.
0: No. He got bitten by a snake. No. He's dead now.
1: No. A snake is his friend.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fuck. A
1: snake <laughs> is his friend.
0: Snake is his friend. A
1: snake from Metal Gear solid. Sna-
0: solid. Snake. <laughs> uh, Arthur. I'm trying to sneak around. No, he's friends with Liquid Snake. Uh, <laughs> uh, liquid! Yeah. That one? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, anyway, thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of Out On Her Fanny.
1: A podcast about the nanny. I've been Ben. I've been Mandy.
0: And yes, we We do know know it it means means vagina. vagina.
1: But do we? It's been so long. Do we know?
0: We're quietly confident it means vagina.
1: We're somewhat confident. We We have an inkling.
0: On a scale of one to five, with one being not confident at all, and five being extremely confident, how confident are you that it is a vagina?
1: Let's say four. Four? Yeah.